Hey, Lewis here. I mean, obviously it's me, right? I'm the only guy who actually runs this freaking show. Anyways, I'm here to tell you about something that I'm working on that I'm really excited about. It's not going to be ready until later this year. However, I'm going to give you the lowdown on it so you can get it for free. Here it is. I am going to be releasing a podcast monetization masterclass. I've been spending the last few months on this, building it, refining it, even training my team on how to use this with our own clients. When it is out and finally published and ready, it will be anywhere from, I'd say, $47 to $197. I'm not sure what I'm going to price it at yet, and there'll be a lot of bonuses that go with this course as well. However, the first 100 people who actually raise their hand, say they want it, and actually go through the course and give me good feedback are going to get it for free, okay? So if you want to be one of those 100 people, there will be a link to a page where you can sign up and add your name to it and your email, and then I will send you the 1.0 version of this course when it is out, all right? You'll be one of the first 100 people. Once I hit 100 people, I am shutting it off, and it will be a paid product, and that will be it, all right? So make sure if you want this course for free, be one of those 100 people because that is the only way you will be able to get it for free. All right, that is it. Now back to this episode. Hey, welcome to the podcast domination show where we help you launch, grow, monetize, and dominate the podcasting space. This is a show where we believe that if you can get attention with your podcast, you can influence someone. And if you can influence someone, you can get them to take massive action. And if you can get someone to do that, you, my friend, can dominate. I'm Luis Diaz, your host and founder of Podcast Domination, and I'm your guide. Let's go. Hello again. Hello again, my friends and new friends who have just discovered the pod. Welcome to the podcast domination show. My friends, this is the show for you. If you want to learn how to launch, grow, monetize, dominate, <laughs> and I don't take that word lightly. I love, I love to win. I'm very, very friggin' competitive, but <laughs> this show is for you. If you want to dominate the podcasting space in whatever niche you're in, health, fitness, sports, news, uh, music, tomato gardening, I don't care. I want to help you dominate the podcasting space. That's my goal. That's my job. And that's what we're here to do. Today on the show is a bit of a twist and a turn. It's a different flavor of the podcast, I would definitely say, because today I have with me one of my clients who is Celeste Bonin. Celeste Bonin is a former WWE Women's Diva Champ, the founder and CEO of Celestial Bodies and a new venture, which is very different from her current business, which we'll get into in this episode. And just an all-around badass. I've always found her very, very interesting from afar. I've never really had the balls, I guess you could say, to kind of ask some of these deeper questions about her background and, and kind of how she grew up and, and you know how she came to be the Celeste Bonin that uh, we know and love today. So anyways, you'll enjoy this episode. We get into a lot about WWE. So if you're a fan of wrestling, like I was when I was younger, you'll enjoy this episode. It kind of takes you behind the scenes. Uh, also a bit of personal branding and also um, <laughs> some funny, interesting facts about kava and what that is. It's a, it's a root plant and uh, it's uh, pretty tasty apparently. So anyways, this is not the normal flavor of the podcast. However, it is very entertaining, very fun. 
and you'll learn a thing or two. So without further ado, enjoy. Cool. All right. What is going on, guys? Welcome back to the podcast, Domination Show. And this is a fun little uh, segment I'm doing where I am just uh, stealing my client's time and asking them for an hour <laughs> so I could um, ask them uh, a bunch of questions that are probably unrelated to podcasting. But um, I'm very blessed to have some really fucking interesting people I get to work with in this line of business. So um, today is another addition to that segment. And today on the call, I have with me Celeste Bonin, uh, former WWE Women's Diva Champ, if I got that right. Yeah. And okay. <laughs> it's confusing <laughs> and, when they change the terms all the time. But I know. Yeah. I'm like, because I used to watch it back in the day and I was like, it was like WWF, WWE. And then they had like. Right. Now they don't call them divas anymore. Now it's just women. So um, right. everyone's a superstar. There's no divas and superstars now. <laughs> <laughs> Got it. So, and you're uh, also the founder of um, Celestial Bodies. Correct. Question. And, and then sure, I'm probably missing some other stuff. So I guess, what are some interesting things that I guess people. Um, maybe should know about you? Um, well, I don't know if anybody cares. I'm just <laughs> kidding. Um, so thank you for having me on the show, by the way. Um, I, and I would like to mention, like, so for whoever's listening, we were just chatting a second ago before we were recording. Mm-hmm. And like within like 30 seconds or a minute, you brought up like four people that could potentially, you could connect me with to help me with some aspect of like my business <laughs> or my life. Which is like you, you like if anybody ever needs anything, you always have a guy. Like you're that guy. I'm like, oh, I got a guy. Like <laughs> that's oh, what geez. I've noticed. It's like it's really because like life is all about like um, it's all about who you know. It's you know it's not. Yeah. It's great to have knowledge and know a lot of stuff, but it's so much more about who you know and not love. You know, which I've discovered very much in like my late twenties, early thirties, especially mm-hmm. in business. Yeah. So. I've had, this year is actually going to, you mentioned, um, so, okay, you mentioned my previous career was WWE. I left that um, yeah. over five years ago. And then uh, six months after um, basically resigning from WWE, I launched my company, which is Celestial Bodies. And it's um, a women's athleisure line. It's e-commerce. I design all the pieces myself. Um, and, and, and what were you guys famous for? Because I know you're famous for a certain type of mechanism. <laughs> and I think I had a, one of my ex-girlfriends like... <laughs> This is before I even knew you, before you knew a celestial body. She like stumbled on your page and she's like, oh my God, I want those, those leggings um, because yeah. of the booty scrunch thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, um, so basically, it's a cool story how it happened. Like when I was wrestling uh, for WWE, I had, we, there was like seamstresses that traveled with us on the road and they yeah. would make all of our wrestling gear. Cause like a misconception that a lot of people have is that like WWE like outfits us, they don't. You literally wear all your own clothes on TV. You get all your mm-hmm. costumes gear, custom made, all that stuff. So like the only thing they say is like, if they don't like it, they just say no, but like they don't provide you with any wardrobe. It's like really interesting. I would always have these like outfits made and it was such a struggle for me to find something that was like, that like fit my personality. Wasn't too girly, sparkly, shiny, but also was like super flattering. Cause like, I'm a just, I'm a, I'm a very muscular person just naturally. I've seen you. Yeah. You're You look bigger than you are. So I always struggled with that. And then, so anyways, like I had a seamstress that had sewed in, like it, I coined the term booty scrunch, but like then we, we, it's just a ruching. If that, like, if anybody knows any terms about yeah. like, I guess, well, how would you describe it for people listening on audio? Like it's basically like, it makes your, definitely makes your butt look good. 
Yeah. So basically um, but, like, what they need to do for me is like along the, the seam that goes like right down the middle of your butt. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so a piece of elastic to it and it creates a ruching. So it basically like accentuates and, and hugs like your, your butt and like the best way possible. And the beauty of it is that, like, it doesn't matter if you have a big butt or a little butt or whatever. Like it just, it, it, it's no, it's not like, Oh, Hey, this is going to give you the greatest ass ever. It's just like, Hey, this is going to accentuate what you have. Yeah. There's a lot of like the girls that I wrestled with or what I noticed, like just an active wear in general. Um, sometimes if they're compression or they're like tight fitting, then it can like kind of, uh, it compresses yeah. their butt. Yeah. yeah it's a right. compression type thing, which is not like what most women want. So, um, so when I left WWE, I knew that I, I had, I had the concept for social bodies in my head. Um, I knew it was going to be clothing, but originally it was supposed to be like clothing for, um, more muscular women. Like that was like what I wanted to do because I always had trouble finding like, um, like, um, biz cash. Cause I always had to be dressed in biz cash when I was wrestling, even when we were traveling oh. and Okay. So it was just like tough for me to find blazers. And like, so that was like my original idea. And then it just evolved into athletic wear. And so I, my, so my claim to fame, like my signature thing for yeah. slush bodies was we're the creators of the booty scrunch leggings. And I patented the term, the, I coined the term booty scrunch and then I patented the design. Um, and like within like the first, and it took me about three years to get that the patent approved. Uh-huh. Um, and I'm, it's literally been three years and I'm still waiting on my utility patent. Um, I have a design patent. It's just patent safe forever. So the frustrating thing that I dealt with like in the early years was, um, that like literally within like one or two months of launching my company, a company started copying the design. And so now like five years later, like we're about to have our fifth anniversary in June. Um, there's 20 plus companies using the design and some of them are using the term booty scrunch. And people are using it as an industry standard and it's not like it's um, something that's trademarked and patented by my company. But right. I was so hung up for so long on like, oh, they're stealing my, my design, my concept. Like, that's not fucking fair. Like, you know, I right. patented it. And then like, I was just wasting so much of this, like of, of my time and like all this energy, like stressing myself out, like not sleeping, mm-hmm. like, you know, dedicating all of this energy to something that was completely out of my control unless I wanted to go and like sue every single person using my design and, you know, cost me hundreds of thousands of dollars and yeah. resources I don't have. So I, it took like a lot and it, it took time to get to the point where I'm now, which is basically like, okay, you did something great. People are using your design. That's fucking cool. The, the biggest form of, um, the flattery is, is, you know, is replication basically. Exactly. So copying, yeah. Yeah. And so like, sometimes like it's still, I still get like upset when like I see like a new company claiming it as like their design or whatever, but like it kind of like, I just kind of brush it off now because I realized that like in business and like just being, being a brand as a person, cause everybody's a brand now, like basically yeah. it's just like where we are in society. Um, that like, you just have to, if you don't evolve and like you, you die. So like if I, I you know, if I continue to be hung up on that, like, Oh, you know, someone else is doing my job. All that stuff. Like, right. what the fuck am I doing? Where am I putting my energy now? Like, do I yeah. do I focus on like on continuing to evolve my company and the culture of my brand and like my garments and the style and the vibe? Like, and, and so once I just threw all that out of the window and was like, "Fuck it," I'm just going to continue making my company the best company that it can be. Yeah. And like, my mindset changed so much, and then I I didn't see 
all of this like quote unquote competition as like I was because I and, yeah, I was previously looking at it as like almost like a scarcity, like, okay, well, you know, now there's so many people selling blue scrunch pants, like how am I ever going to make enough money to grow and whatever. Right. Now it's all about just continuing to like evolve and like, and put out new designs and like be you know, inventive and stuff. And so like, ever since I've like switched to that mindset, things have changed a lot. Mm, so okay. I think that like, and I had like reposted something recently on my Instagram page that Gary Vee had posted. He posts like such dope content all the time, but I love his shit. Um. <laughs> I know he's so fucking great, but he had posted something about like a basically like that touched so close to home. And I, I had reposted it. It was basically like, stop, you know, telling people to stop fucking crying about somebody that's like replicating their style or their, you know, I got someone you need to talk to. I got someone you need to talk to, but yeah. we'll handle that. Yeah. <laughs> you could definitely mentor this person. Um, they're similar to you in a lot of respects and they're actually close to you. Um, but I'm really curious about that. So what caused you to kind of change that mindset? And like, did it just like snap? Like, okay, like screw this. I'm going to. So it's actually like, well, because I had put so much time and effort into and money into getting my stuff, my patents and like getting yeah. patented. Like I was like, there's no way I'm going to put all this work into it. And then like, it'd be for no reason. So I was hung up on that. I see. And then like most recently, um, I had like a huge, huge company start selling my, my designs, but claiming them as their own or whatever. And I had, I was, I like lost sleep over it. And I was like, this is like, they could potentially put me out of business. And like, I yeah. just, went off on this fucking rabbit hole of like why it was so bad. And then like, I started like calling, you know, trying to find a law firm that would represent me because like this, you know, I was looking at it like, okay, this company could put me out of business when really like, yeah. it was like just one thing that they were selling. Like it was, they have like a thousand different styles. Lines was, you know yeah. what I mean? So it was nothing to them. And like, I was making it such a big deal. And I was looking at how much it was going to cost me to like go after these people and like right. all these companies. And like, even my ex-husband, he, um, I started social bodies like five days after we got married. Um, I actually five launched days? it. Yeah. So we didn't five. take a honeymoon. We just got married like five days after the wedding. We launched the, the, the website. So I had been God. building the, the company for like six months and finally brought it to market like right after we got married. And so like when we were going through a divorce, he was literally doing everything he could to like ruin my life. So he literally out of spite. And this is why I feel like it's not his, it's not sustainable for him because he started a clothing company um, out of spite and use my designs just to like literally to be spiteful. And so right. like I have stuff like that happening and like, I, I just, I just changed my mentality and I was like, okay, fuck it. Like I don't like it. I have no other choice but to like change my mindset and just go back and not reinvent my brand. But like, like every, I think in a brand, like every six months needs like a, a revamp, like a, yeah. You know, because if you don't do that, then you can, you continue to, you, you can kind of fade away. And like, there's always something that's newer and cooler and better. And in such a competitive True. fucking, everybody has a business these days, you know, <laughs> everybody. Has a model, right? Yeah, so, you're so right. Um, yeah. It's so funny. Um, I, I really want to, I want to, I want to continue to ask questions there, but I'd be remiss if we kind of um, didn't, we glossed over the whole fact that you were a badass in WWE and you okay. obviously like. I didn't realize up until probably like last year how much training those guys went through, like The Rock, yeah. like all that. I'm like, I did not know it was like a sport. I really yeah. was really blind to that fact. Um, so it really interesting me interested me when I realized how much of a businessman Vince McMahon is. Like all the athletes, all the people who went into that business, like how cutthroat it is, 
and then also how like just dedicated those guys have to be. So how did you get into that? And then I want to fast track and, and then get back into the business stuff because a lot of people watching this have e-commerce business. So I want to get some good tips for them too. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so I was like never a huge wrestling fan. I was a fan like when I was little, like my favorite wrestler was Vader. Um, <laughs> rest his soul, he died um, last year. But um, because my brother loved him and my brother was like really big into wrestling and I just wanted to be exactly like him. And, um, then when I got older, I got, you know, you're a teenager, you do fucking stupid teenager shit. Like I didn't watch wrestling. And then yeah. like in my early, like when I was 19 or 20, I got into like doing fitness competitions and I was like always really obsessed with like bodybuilding and stuff. Like women's and bodybuilding I, back then? Or? Yeah. So I was actually, I did figure and then I got, I was oh. just like two and then that's 10, you know, 10, 12 years ago. So, you know, it's yeah. a, it's shit changes so much, you know, in the, in the, <laughs> it does. In the, in the beginning. But so I was like, I did look really good at my first couple shows. And then mm -hmm. like, I just was way too muscular and they were continuing to like want different things. And so I was actually training for my first ever uh, bodybuilding show, oh, but okay. I'm, I was like, like, I'm so anti like steroids or so I was doing everything natural yeah. and like up really hard cause I was super young too. So I just had baby muscle. Um, anyways, I was in the middle of training for that. Um, and I had like my best friend and I, um, were at some fitness expo, I forget what it was, but, uh, some guy approached her. She's like this tall, gorgeous model looking girl. And it wasn't Lauren, her, was it? Like, wasn't like, Lauren back then? Like, are beautiful, by the way. No. Um, <laughs> I noticed. Like, <laughs> I noticed. Um, they're all beautiful, but they all have like a beautiful like heart too. Like they're not, I'm not superficial, I swear. Um, I can, yeah. Oh uh, yeah. You'll know that about Celeste <laughs> real fast. Like what you see is what you get. Um, Right. So, um, he had like wanted her to be, he had a spray tan company or some shit and wanted her to be in the calendar that he was doing. And we got to know him and we found out that he was like, he had been in like, a, he was a former WWE talent and he was okay. like in, he had like, cause like basically when you got hired for the WWE, you go to like their quote unquote minor leagues, which is the developmental center. Yeah. It used to be called FCW, Florida Championship Wrestling, but now it's called NXT. So like he was like, oh yeah, I was in FCW now, I, and, and then he was at the time trying to get a job as like a talent scout for WWE. So he was like, okay. oh, let me send your like write up a bio and pictures, and let me send it to like the talent, the head of the talent got whatever uh, yeah. department. And so they flew us out for like a week, and um, my friend Jody fucking hated it. She went home after one day. It's like <laughs> it's not pain of heart. Like, and I was like, oh, I fucking love it. So, so I what is it like? Is it intense? Like, was it like? like basically like you you pretty much go through a whole week of what it's like for the developmental talent so it's like mm. they just like the first day like you learn how to take a bump and you learn like some super basic mechanics and they basically like look to see if you're athletic and if you're open to like you know if you're receptive to, to training and yeah, and yeah. concepts that seem really alien to you um and then they basically so it's like that and like literally if you've never taken a bump which is like when you go, when you flat back on a, a wrestling mat and you make a sound. Oh, um, okay. Um, and like, if you, like, if you've never done that, um, it is like, it's very similar to whiplash. Like when you wake up the next day, you were felt you were in a car accident. Cause like I have such strong neck muscles now that like I got in a really bad car accident. Um, like, uh, 2017, like literally on my way to a divorce mediation and I fucking totaled my car, but did not hurt myself. Cause I have this like muscly, like wrestling <laughs> neck from taking bumps. Uh, that makes sense. Yeah. Makes yeah. Sense. So I was, I was like, thank God I didn't get hurt because of that, but um, my car was totaled. So like, I was like, mm -hmm. am like, I guess grateful for that. Like my body's like really resilient after going through, cause if you really like train to learn how to protect yourself and your opponent. 
anyway, so like I loved okay. it. And then like a big thing they do is they, they make sure that you have like a personality, like if you have like charisma or like quote unquote the it factor, you know, no one can define what that is, but we all know what it is. Right. So like if you know, if someone has it, you know, like you, if that's not a tangible thing, but like, that's what they look for. And it's hard yeah, to, everybody's it can be different, you know? Got it. So they look for like, if you're able to do speak, uh, you know, on, on a microphone, if you have mic skills, quote unquote, or if you don't, if you're trainable. So I fucking went in there and I just wrecked shit. And like, I just didn't, <laughs> I was, I didn't give a fuck. I was like, I, this is for me. I want to do this. And I, I got hired. And then, um, like my story of like how I debuted is like really fucking hilarious. So, um, I was like in develop, I had moved to Tampa from Texas, um, to start developmental. And I was only there for like three weeks. And I, mind you, like the developmental salary is like not a lot. And like I was bartending before, so I didn't have like money at all to my name. I like, you know, right under probably my big account. And, um, I was like 23. And, um, so, so during that time, so like, and I literally had, I didn't have any like wrestling gear. I didn't have boots, like nothing. I just moved there. I was bartending. I was in school. Like I was, I had nothing. Where were you going to school so, at? There, was in, in Texas? Uh, or Texas? I, was, no, I, I never finished school, but I was, I was, I took classes at like at Houston Community College and then U of H. Okay. But I like, I literally got signed like when I was in the middle of like basically pursuing um, a degree. I was, I was actually going to screw that. I was like, (laughs) (laughs) and so anyways, like, um, during that time. So mind you, the developmental program is called Florida championship wrestling. And then the main roster brands are Raw and SmackDown. So during that time, they had a reality based elimination show called NXT. And now NXT is actually rebranded to be their new developmental program. But then it was just a reality show that aired on TV. It was a WWE show and it Uh aired on the network that SmackDown aired on. So they had done two seasons already. And like, basically it was like a reality elimination show where the winner got a spot on the main roster. So it was developmental people, rookies, yeah. and then like the winner would go to go the big leagues. Uh, yeah. So like they had an all, all girl season planned and like, it was all hush hush. Like I didn't even know about it. And I was there and like, they were like filming it, like, you know, off, off base. And it was like supposed, it was supposed to be secret who the entrants were and whatever. And then, so I found out about it like a week before it was supposed to debut. And then like, I was like, cool, good for those girls, you know? And it was basically taking all the, all the girls that were, now there's so many more women like in WWE, but then there was like seven of us. And there wasn't many back taking, in the day. No. And they were taking five of those girls. So it was going to be me and this other super new girl there. And it was like really weird. So anyways, the show's supposed to debut like on a Tuesday, like, supposed to film it right before they filmed SmackDown. They filmed, used to film SmackDown on Tuesdays. It was like Raw's live on Monday and then you film SmackDown yeah. Tuesday. So we're, um, I got a call from like the office, like the, the, the headquarters in Stanford. And um, they were like, hey, so basically what happened is like they fired one of the girls that was supposed to debut. She was like this, she wasn't even developmental. She was this girl they found. She was like six foot seven. She was a fucking oh. giant person. <laughs> okay. So they fired her last minute because they found some weird shit on the internet and they're like super pg rated now so they couldn't yeah. it was like a conflict of interest i guess so they're like you're up you're next like you're next in line so you're gonna debut on the show and i was like holy fuck i literally cried and i was like where <laughs> do i start? like my nails were like i had i go nails i went and got highlights like they gave me a thousand dollars didn't have any money and they were like go buy diva stuff and i didn't know what the fuck that meant and my, <laughs> diva stuff like, like the stuff the i bought they did not let me wear on tv because they were like no because like oh. I, will, I want stuff that I would wear like now, like I've always been who I am. It was just, like, 
I have this, I still have the first dress I ever bought that I eventually got to wear on TV like two, three years later after like I proved that I could be this different, basically version of like what they wanted. So I ended up having to to debut, I debuted in Baltimore. Um, Like, so I had basically three or four days to like fucking shit my pants, like so scared. (laughs) So basically, like, I debuted on live TV. Like, first time I've ever wrestled an actual match was on live TV. Wow. And it was No pressure. <laughs> I was, honestly, like, it, that whole season gave me, like, the best outlook on my life now is, like, if I could do that, I can fucking do anything. So, cause, because right. that show, like, wrestling is, like, quote-unquote scripted. So, like, we knew the matches that were going to be on the show because it was, like, an hour and it was, like, different like contests that like trivia or like some kind of physical contest yeah. uh, in a couple of matches. And there were storylines written in too. Like I was, um, I was a rookie. Everybody was a rookie. And then we all had a pro. So like you had somebody that was on a main roster that was like supposed to be like giving you guidance or whatever. Oh, and see. so like they gave me Vicky Guerrero, who was like the biggest monster heel in the biggest bad guy in wrestling at that time, as far as like women go. Mm-hmm. And so like in wrestling, like, bad guys have heat and like that's what they live for like they want to like insult the crowd you know like yeah i remember those guys and they want people to like she had the most heat ever at that time (laughs) so it worked so much in my favor because like the way that the this the um season went like she was basically just like bullying me and like i was this huge underdog and like a lot of people were like oh she doesn't deserve to be here blah 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 whatever which i didn't i I just took an opportunity that was given to me and um it, I ended up, so I was like the biggest, it was the biggest underdog story. And I, I won that season. So then they gave me a spot on the main roster, but it was kind of like, well, fuck technically, you know, they have to give me a spot, but like, I really needed to be back in developmental. Cause like, I did not know what the fuck I was doing. So oh, I see. it wasn't like on TV for like two years after that, because I was so new. And so they were sending me on because like there's the televised stuff that everybody sees like every week, Raw and SmackDown, but then there's like, there's live events. So like, when you're on full time, you're traveling, you do three non-televised shows a week plus TV. So you're wrestling five days a week. So I would go, I would go on these, like, um, the live event loops and I would wrestle on non-televised stuff. And that's how I fucking learned how to wrestle. Uh, It was like televised. It was still, you know, it was still, you know, arenas of like four or 5,000 people at a time, but at least it wasn't televised and fucking remember forever. (laughs) So, uh, that's how I learned. And then actually like, I was still not really being used that much because I was just overlooked because like I won and then I got better in the ring, but there was like no like big debut. Um, as like, Oh, now I'm ready to wrestle. I was just kind of always in the background. And so I was in a couple of storylines here and there. Yeah. And then like, um, we had a battle Royal and like the, the person that was supposed to win was supposed to have a title shot with the current, you know, the, the person that was the champ. Right. So initially the way that they had planned it, was I was supposed to get eliminated like the first two or three people because I wasn't relevant in any storylines. But one of our, um, his name is Fit Finley. He was like my trainer when I first came up on the road, when I first debuted on NXT. Oh, okay. um, he had left and he came back and he literally came back that day that we're supposed to have the battle world. And he was like the divas like agent. Cause everybody gets assigned an um, agent when you have a match on TV and they like help you put it hmm. together. They help you figure out the logistics of, of whatever and right. so he was always like the divas agent and like we had missed him so much because nobody ever wanted the girls like they didn't know how to handle us because like back then like we barely got any time on tv like everyone was fighting for one spot and it just it fucking sucked 
So uh-huh. he came back and um, he was like, you're still not being fucking used on TV. And I was like, not really. So he like put his foot down and he like, he was like, you're going to be in there till the, you're not going to win, but you're going to be in there to the very end. Um, yeah. And you're going to get eliminated just to give me some like exposure on TV. And um, cause he was like, what the fuck? I've been gone two years and you're still like not doing anything. And he knew how hard I worked and like, he like always saw potential in me. So right. I owe him like everything. And, and so what happened was it was on raw. So all of us always say like when you're on live TV, nothing can go wrong because yeah. like, and what year like, is this out of context? Um, just out this was I think 2013. 2013. Okay. Yeah. So, um, like the, and this was before, like I truly like started be like coming into my own. Like I was still trying to, I was still wearing like little shorts and like spandexy things that wasn't really my style. Cause like I didn't really have like the confidence to go and try new shit and like try new character stuff and whatever. So like right. I was just kind of blending in and um, I had, a, I was really strong and, and like athletic. So like that was kind of my style, but I hadn't really like developed an arsenal of like moves and character stuff. I was just kind of super bland because I was like just on the sidelines. And yeah, um, so that, that battle royal happened and mind you live TV, everything's timed. Like our refs have um, a mic in their ear and they're getting fed stuff from the production room and like, Oh, you got 10 minutes or, you know, you have one minute left, tell them to go home, blah, blah, whatever. So like the ref communicates with us what happens oh, or what okay. we're next. So it's like really hard. Like you can know mentally where you're supposed to go in the match, but like stuff like that all happens like on live TV when someone, the ref like, Hey, you guys got cut two minutes, go straight to the, finish or whatever and you have to think Uh on your feet and communicate with your opponent anyway so like the spot was and a spot is like a little like series of moves that make a story so like the spot in the match for the finish was i was supposed to clothesline ease over and she was supposed to um they call it (laughs) in the cap so yeah clothesline clothesline her over she was going to hang on um flip over and then like eliminate me through the middle rope or some shit like that so i clotheslined her and it, she didn't, it wasn't enough momentum go, to go over. So she was oh, like, shit. you know, so I hit her. She didn't go. So she was like, you know, she communicated to me, like, you know, hit me again. So I was like, oh, fuck. And I was so nervous because this was like the most TV time I had had in forever. Yeah. And so like I clotheslined her so hard that she couldn't <laughs> hold on and she got eliminated. So I won the battle royal and didn't mean to. And the ref, like the ref that was with me, it was just her first time ever refing on Raw on live TV. So we were both like, <laughs> like, and the camera was like on both of us and I, and I was like oh my god I'm gonna get fired like holy fuck yeah. and then like they're in his ear and they're like celebrate fucking celebrate so he grabs my hand and like <laughs> so like I won so that's how I got the title like I put myself by accident in a storyline a main storyline so like from that storyline six months later I got the title and I worked like two, like I worked like a 12 week storyline program to get to when I won the title um in my uh, hometown of Houston. So it was, um, it was an amazing story, but um, it was so crazy. Cause that, like when I, so Eve, like the, you know, she was, I remember to, Eve. Yeah. I remember that. Yeah, she was amazing. Yeah. She's still one of my good friends. And um, she's, she's like a, a Disney princess. Like she's so beautiful and smart <laughs> and talented. Like she's one of the most like amazing humans I've ever met. And I'm not just saying that like, she's, and I know um, um, Jason Phillips, our mutual friend. Um, yeah. Uh, he's got. A, he he works with someone who's a who's a wrestler as well. Yeah, I don't know. I think it's uh, either Charlotte or Becky Lynch. I think it's Charlotte. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. So that yeah, I remember he had her on a show as well. So yeah. I think Jason on here too. But um, sorry, go cut you off. Go ahead. Um. Yeah. It's just the. I guess like the the 
last part of that story was I just went backstage like when everything was over and I thought I was going to get fired. Seriously. I was like so nervous. And Vince was laughing hysterically. Cause like, he's so weird and like, you know, but he's a, a mad genius. Right. And so like yeah. literally like he was fucking laughing hysterically and I was about to cry. Eve was crying. And like <laughs> at that time, like none of the girls really wanted to work with me or like they were trying to find ways how to like rewrite the storyline to get me written out. And I was like, fuck this. Like it happened. Like I'm in the storyline assholes. So, yeah. but not, she was amazing. And I, I loved working with her. Like we, we worked 12 weeks of storylines leading up to um, when I got the title from her and it was actually when she retired. So it was like wow. the most amazing scenario. And typically in wrestling, you never win a match or much less a title in mm-hmm. your hometown because usually the way wrestling psychology works is when you're in your hometown and you're a good guy, um, you always get your ass beat to create, to make people feel bad for you, which is ultimately like you want people to believe in you and cheer for you. So you typically bad guys will get heat, which is what they want uh, by putting like, uh, by beating up or putting heat on a baby on face. The, on the hometown. Yeah. That's yeah, like a super like classic wrestling scenario or formula. And so it was really insane to win the title um, in, in my hometown. Like, no one expected it. it. was like the biggest, it was, no one fucking expected it. So it was like <laughs> the worst thing ever. But, um, that's like, interesting. So many things that like I apply in my life. And like, you can ask anyone that I'm close to, like, I always, um, like, relate stuff back to wrestling. Like, some shit that I learned mm. in, like, while I was in that industry that I apply now, like, as a business owner and just like, as, like, the way I live my life. It's so crazy. But like after having experiences like that, like on fucking live TV, you really feel like you can do anything. And like, I kind of like apply, like, like the saying that I mentioned, um, you know, you, you can't, nothing can go wrong on live TV because it's right. live TV. That's what happens. Like that is like the reality of what happened. That's real. So it's not wrong. Right. So yeah. that's like how I look at life. Like, nice. um, this year, like I'm starting a new business and we, we chatted about it a second ago before we right. got on, but, um, like I, and I have a partner, like social bodies is 100% mine and I, I run and operate it as an individual owner, but, um, and I have employees and stuff, but for this new bar, I'm, I'm starting a new business and I have a 50, 50 partner and like, he's, he's been in corporate his whole life, like never owned his own business. And so he's very like, you know, stuff freaks him out. Like, you know, <laughs> you know putting a lot of money into something and like yeah. hoping that it does well is really Rich. scary. But I, like, I'm the one that's like, hey, like, if it's supposed to happen and we like work hard enough and we do everything we can, like, it'll happen. If yeah. it doesn't, it wasn't fucking meant to be. And so like, I really just apply like, like life is like live TV, like nothing can go wrong. Like everything that happens is supposed to happen, whether it's good, bad or ugly, because like you either fucking learn from it or it pushes you in another direction or opens it a does. different door. So like, you can't, you know, like you just got to go for shit. And that's like, if I, you know, now I'm like in my thirties and I'm like, when I, all my staff is like in their twenties or like in college or whatever, like, I feel like if I can like really like give them one thing, it's that like mentality because so many people spend so much of their life, like not doing the shit that they want to do. Cause like it's scary or, you know, like if I do this, then this could happen. And if, you know, if I stay in mm-hmm. this straight lane, nothing bad will happen. And like, to me, that's not living, you know, it's like the opposite. It's just existing. Right. I'm curious, like, cause that I, I did not know how much. So in wrestling, oh, I have to ask this question. Cause like ever since I was a little kid, I, I always wanted this. So you know, who's going to win um, yeah. before you, before you get out there. Right. Yeah. Okay. So good. 
it's basically, it, they call it, it's predetermined. So like right. when you, and, and what's crazy is like, say for TV, for instance, like live TV, the script can, you get a script. It's like being on a, a normal show. Like there's writers, there's storylines. Like you, you oh. have your own writer for each storyline. Um, so like if you have like a 12 week program, like 12 week worth of storylines, like you are with the same writer or writing team that whole time. So like, and, and, um, so basically like, you know, like when you get the script, you're like, okay, cool. I'm winning. And then you have to re reverse engineer the match from the end. Like when you, that's why they give you an agent. So like you and the, your opponent, you sit down, you're like, here, what's the story of the match? And if you're in a storyline, it's much easier to build a match because like there's already emotions, there's already store, you know, feelings, but yeah. when it's like a cold match and there's no storyline, that's when it's the hardest because you ask, cause like, people don't give a fuck about it. Like if they're invested in a storyline, they're like, Oh, I can't wait to see this. No, <laughs> yeah. but like if, a, if it's a cold match, then like it's, it's hard to get people's attention. So you kind of have to structure the match differently, mm -hmm. but no matter what, like, you know, the finish of the match, but that Got can it. change. It can change in the ring. It can change. And it's all what, according to like what Vince wants. Like he has literally changed finishes to match while the match is going on. Oh, Never happens. But, um, yeah. So, so you know who's winning. So you structure the match based on that. You're like, okay, how am I going to win? Am I going to win with my finisher? Is it like a submission? Am I going to get disqualified? Right. Whatever. And so, so like once you, you know that. Right. Yeah. So, okay. so that, so you, and then there's like a basic formula to each match. So like if you didn't know anything about wrestling or you had to explain to someone who didn't know about wrestling, like how uh -huh. to structure a match. Like this is how you would do it. You like to start the match, you would have a shine. The baby face shines. So the baby face is the good guy. The heel is the bad guy. Okay. The, the good guy, the baby face shines. So they get in like their cool, fancy moves. Like they, you know, they, they basically, the point of the shine is to get people to cheer for them, want them to win, love them, want to be them, want to be with them, whatever yeah. it is. Like that's the job as, as, and, and you, you're good guys play by the rules. They're, you know, they're, they're funny and they're, they're charming. Uh -huh. And so it's like, you have the shine. Mm -hmm. Then you have a cutoff, which is where the bad guy, um, takes over. So the uh -huh. shine, like, Usually yeah. the baby is controlling the match and then you have a cutoff. And so like the cutoff is where the, the typically the heel cheats to get an upper hand. I remember so, that so much. Yeah. I remember that so much. Oh my God. They're, they're yeah. Frustrated, right? the exactly. is whatever. So they cheat and then yeah. so that goes into the heat. And I've said heat a lot because it's all, it's all related to like uh, a heel. So they, they, once it's the shine and then it's, once the cutoff happens, which is that one shitty cheating move to oh, like get the or something. Yeah. Then, yeah. And then they put on the heat, which is basically beat the shit out of a baby face. Yeah. <laughs> um, that is supposed to make people feel bad for them, want them to win, cheer for them. And it's supposed to make the audience hate the heel. So right. then in within the heat, there's hope spots. So if you just beat the shit out of a baby face for eight minutes, it's like people are kind of like, oh, you know, like they don't want to see it. it yeah. When you have hope spots, it gives them like a little glimpse of like, oh, they're going to, you know, they're fighting back, they're fighting back. So it makes, yeah. it basically tells the audience or the fans that like you're still alive as a baby. Yeah. And then it go, and then uh, from, so you're getting little hope spots in the heat. And then you have something called the comeback, which is where the baby face, you know, starts to get back on their feet. They, you know, get in a couple shots and then they have their comeback. And most wrestlers have like a set um, formula for a comeback and it's good when you do because fans start to recognize it oh and shit it's tell, yeah. like oh it's coming right 
So John Cena has the fucking, the easiest comeback ever, but fans <laughs> know what it is, right? Yeah. Shoulder block, shoulder block, fucking, you can't see me, whatever it is. Yeah. So then, um, and then the finish. So obviously there's way more technically, technical stuff in there, way more psychology, but that is a basic That's outline. Basic one, yeah. Yeah. So like, you know, the story that you're telling before you get in the ring, but like stuff happens in the ring. Someone can forget something. Um, you can run out of time. So you have to know how to improvise. Yeah. So a lot of the time for the girls, our matches would always fucking get cut. So we would have a plan A, a plan B and a plan C. Plan A was our full match. Plan B was our match cut in half. And plan C was like basically the bell rings. Then you go straight home to the finish. Like we always <laughs> have that. And um, because yeah. we were just realistic, we're realists. Like anytime a match went over, like over there a lot of time, the girls oh, time would fucking it would time. cut your yeah, it would cut your time off, right? Okay. Yeah, we were just used to it. Now it's not nice. like that. Wrestling has evolved tremendously, but before we, you know, we would have five minute matches. If that, I remember uh-huh. I had a pay per view match and it was five minutes, not even with entrances. It was like in a three something. But Jeez. then, like, I remember, like when I when I lost my title to AJ, um, we had a eighteen something minute pay per view match and we went over our time, but it was <laughs> such a good match we didn't get in trouble. But it was like you kinda have to like make those decisions. Like, you know, like the crowd right, was the so I knew it was like a super meaningful match because like she won the title and we had like a really long storyline. So we didn't get in trouble but we were like, you know, never do that again. And <laughs> yeah. like like crazy that we didn't get in trouble because like the women's match is never supposed to go over time. You know, we always get our time cut. Um or it was like that back then, but not anymore. Got it. Okay. So I'm curious, what things have you taken away from wrestling and applied to your, both your businesses now, I guess your, your new business here in town, so, Celestial Bodies? I, I just, I feel that like, cause like most everything I did in wrestling, like, like in the ring was, um, I learned that like, I truly had to believe in my storyline, my character, like what the story of the match was, because if you don't believe in it, then fucking fans don't believe in it and they're not interested in it. Uh, so like I, so you would really have to like literally feel the emotion like that your character would have with the other, with your opponent. Right. So like you have to like live that, even if it's a storyline, um, because when you don't believe it, nobody else fucking believes it. So like everything. And I, did I do like in life now is so like, personally driven like like i i'm so passionate about everything that i do and if i'm not passionate about it like yeah. then i don't do it anymore like it's time to close a chapter on something because like it no longer serves me or doesn't make me money and doesn't make me happy that's it so like i really have just learned to only pursue things that like bring me joy um or make me money or both hopefully it's both yeah you know, which i've gotten you know I'm fortunate enough to love what I do. And, um, and that's with celestial bodies. And, um, you know, it's more than just making like quality workout clothes. Like I legit like make stuff that makes women feel good about themselves. And like, I, that's so close to me. Like I'm a woman, like we all have body image issues, you know, everybody. And, um, especially like mine was very bad from show business. Like I was, you know, every, I was always told to lose weight no matter what situation. Oh, I'm just a bigger girl. So I, you know, I, I had body image issues and, um, like I have always found and someone can fight me if they think this is not right. Like when you feel like you look good, you fucking feel good. You do do better work. You have better ideas. 
Yeah. So like I take that and I apply that to like, okay, what is going to, what do I know feels like, what do I like to wear? What do I feel most confident in? And like, I apply that to my business and uh, I feel like that's why like people love the brand so much because they fucking feel good when they wear it. And that's like means so much to me. So there's just so much passion behind it. Like it's not just fucking clothes, you know? And I think to do well in like a business that in a, in an industry that is so saturated, you have to work out of passion for something because otherwise like why through it. Yeah. Well, yeah. And then that's another thing too, is like, is being, um, you know, genuine and, um, truly like believing the stuff that you say and the stuff that you post on social media and like, because people do see through something that's not authentic, you know? Right. And unfortunately these days there are, are a lot of things that aren't authentic. So like, if you're not, then you're going to fucking learn real quick that people don't fucking put up with that shit, you know? <laughs> right. So. <laughs> I, I've got a question. You brought up some interesting stuff there. Um, are you one question that popped in my head? This is kind of semi-related, but are you still vegan? Because I remember you were doing vegan for a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, cool. I will probably never be not vegan. Two double, double negatives. I'll be yeah. I'll be vegan for forever. Um, I did it just for like health purposes. I actually started. I went vegan last April. Um, so it's almost been a year. But wow. I. And I really got like committed to it in May when I found out that I was going to be, cause I, I did, um, a WWE women's tournament last year called the May Young Classic. I so remember it went, that. Yeah. It was so dope. Like I loved it. And it was so nice coming back to like a different vibe in the company for women. It's not, you know, it was, it's so different from when I left just five years ago. So, mm. um, I, I just started, I got started getting back in shape because like I went through like the f- most fucked up divorce and like I wasn't training, like I was drinking all the time. Like I was not healthy and like yeah. my hair was falling out. Like I was, it was bad. Wow. And, uh, you know, so much stress and I, I just wasn't happy. And so like I went vegan just for like health reasons. Like, Hey, I need to, cause I've always learned that like whenever you do something you've never done in your diet or training for it, it always works. So like I had never cut out meat, dairy, like any animal products before. So I was like, fuck it, let's do right. it. And yeah. My friends that sponsored me, like they they give me um, they give me my meals every week, and I ask them like, hey, I want can I try the vegan stuff? And like that's how I did it. If I hadn't gotten meal plans, like pre made meals, I I credit them one hundred percent. I don't think I would have been able to do it because I didn't know what the fuck to eat. <laughs> yeah, that's the problem question. with a lot of people that do that try to transition transition into veganism. Like they do it, they're doing it for the right reasons, but like no one is educating them on like what to eat, how to cook it, like the macros you still need to be meeting. So like I, I was, so I'm completely, I haven't eaten meat since literally like last fucking April. Wow. So I don't miss that. Like the times that I would really fuck up is like with dairy. Like I started learning that I had to read the label because a lot of stuff has dairy in it and eggs, you know, like you just don't realize it. Mm -hmm. So, um, and then once I started like getting a grip and then like Lauren, you know, the, uh, unglamorous life, Co-host. Yeah. She's not she, vegan. No, she's not. Oh my gosh. She's the <laughs> yeah. Actually helped me. We were going to do this YouTube series, um, like vegan transformation, even though I was like already in shape, like, um, it was like a more sports specific thing for wrestling. And then like yeah. learning how to actually, like, if I didn't have a meal plan, how do I eat? How do I measure my macros? And so she actually taught me a lot. Um, and I was already vegan for like six or eight months and then like really like learning how to cook, cook it, um, what types of foods to eat, all that stuff. Um, 
So now I could 100%. It's like totally sustainable to me. But like, as I started getting more serious into it, I, um, I then became like more about the vegan lifestyle, like buying cruelty-free products, you know, no testing on animals, nothing with leather, you know, just nothing made from animal products. And like, mm-hmm. there is a lot of stuff available that is completely cruelty-free, but you have to like know where to look. Cause a lot of the shit that you don't even realize, like, Nikes, the glue in them is made from fucking animals or like horses. You know, you just have to like know where your stuff is coming from. And I think like we're all very close to like getting, because like also, so whatever, it was about the, first it was about health reasons, then it was about like aspect. And then now it's also more about like climate change. Like um, animal agriculture is uh, 45% of climate change. So yeah I started researching that and and, and um it, it's scary so like I really do believe that the future is like veganism like it's legit gonna save the world like not even being dramatic because animal agriculture is so out of hand it's the reason we have dead zones in our oceans um it's uh just the the what cows um flatulence is literally a huge um huge reason portion of, of Gotcha. So it's, it's insane, but, um, so yeah, I'll, I'll be vegan for the rest of my life. So <laughs> well, it's okay. more, about, yeah, yeah. It's just more about like educating more people and a lot of people like make fun of vegans and like, I don't care whatever. It's a personal choice, but because other things like, um, they just like any group of people, like there's a certain group of vegans that give us a bad name because they're so preachy. They're so judgy. Like they, they shove it down people's throats instead of like, I think the, the method is education and not, you know, shoving all these facts down people's throats and, you know, making them feel guilty about their choices or whatever. Like right. that's not the way to do it. You know what right. I mean? Yeah. And, it's they have a very strong culture. Like vegans, I know like they support the shit out of each other. Like I got to give them credit for, for that. I mean, no, like, like no other. So, um, it's a, it's a credit to them. And then I don't think you've already met Nimai. Um, briefly, I introduced you guys and I have someone else to introduce yeah. you to now as well. Um, so that's, that's really interesting. See, I've always found you very interesting, Celeste. Uh, <laughs> this from afar, like she's got a lot of cool stuff going on. Um, I've got a, one, a couple other questions here because I know some, there's some uh, entrepreneurs before we wrap up that um, are probably curious about how you built your personal brand. Um, you've got a very large personal brand. Um, anything there in terms of what you would say to someone who's trying to build a personal brand? Um, so no one thing that... So I actually had a very large platform from on social media from wrestling right. because I was on TV. Right. Yeah. So when I left wrestling, I was like, great, I have this fucking huge platform. I'm going to start an e-commerce business. It's going to be booming. So what I didn't know is that like, and it was okay, but I had to like make a plan to figure it out. So basically what is like, when I launched my, my company is a fitness, it's an athletic apparel company. My fans and followers from wrestling weren't those consumers. So I basically had to like slowly while not losing my wrestling following, try to acclimate more fitness, um, minded stuff in my posts. Yeah. And, and so like when I got married, my ex-husband had like, you know, he was big in the, he had a supplement, he has a supplement company. So like I, was always constantly getting those girls involved, like 
you know, the, the big influencers and stuff in my clothes. Mm-hmm. And like, when you're first starting out, nobody knows about you. And in my case, people did know about me, but not my right consumer. They didn't know yeah, they didn't know you for, for being the CEO, the entrepreneur, the person, you know, right. been selling the right. business apparel. In right. a way, like, I, I had credibility because I had a lot of followers, but they weren't the, the followers that I needed to be able to, to sell my, my um, product. So right. I had to, it was almost like starting without following because I was trying to gain that, the, you know, fitness minded people as followers. And so exactly. I basically like, I outfitted anybody that would wear my stuff. Like I fucking, you know, I wear every single, I wear it every single day for five years. And like, it's all I wear because yeah, like I believe like you, like I make clothes, like now I'm expanding into more like life wear because like I make clothes for people to fucking wear every day, be comfortable. And if they want to work out cool, but if not like fine, they're comfortable and they look like you. Netflix and chill in it. (laughs) I think that's been in some of our marketing. So like, I, um, I really think that you just have to like 100% know who your consumer is and you have to know who you are and like what your message is. Like you have to say like, okay, what does my brand say? Like, what is, what is my goal? Like why, why does my brand exist? Like, what am I doing? Like what service am I providing or what, you know, like product am I selling? And like, so I, a lot of people when I sit down and say like, you know, whether it's a friend or someone I just met or whatever, like, you know, when I ask them about their business or if they're just starting out, like, so who's your ideal consumer? And it's like kind of a, a all over the place answer. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's very, know, very loose. Well, like these people, but maybe this part, like maybe, and I, like, I feel like if you don't, unless you have a crystal clear answer of like, yeah, who your consumer is, you won't make it far. And then you also have a have, you have to have a crystal clear, like, um, proposition you would say or like like what you bring to the table yeah like you have to know like in like in any scenario you have to be able to sit down in front of any person ever mm. and if they ask you like you know what do you sell who do you sell it to why should i buy your stuff you know what sets you apart and like if you don't know that stuff like you got to need to take a step back and figure it out before you try to you know develop your brand or your company or whatever, anything more, because without that stuff, you literally cannot, where do you go from there? Right. Yeah. Because you know what the hell you're saying. Right. Uh, That's really interesting. So like, so I, from what I understand what you hear you saying is you've got to really develop your elevator pitch. You're in the sense where like who you are, what you stand for, what do you do? Those nail those three things down to a sense. And then you can start to market and brand. And um, for you, like, Content wise, like what's your biggest platform right now that, that you pump out content on? I know you do a lot of things, but a lot of In, um, definitely Instagram. Okay. Yeah. Um, and Is it and one a so day like, or multiple times a day. So I try to do it once a day, and sometimes I go. And sometimes it's not that, but like so. With, what I'm really concentrating on this year is just the value of my content. So like mm, when I was, for instance, when I was married, like when I was wrestling, I didn't even have Instagram. I just had Twitter. So like Twitter was fun and cool. You know, you like tweet shit and whatever, but like it was always wrestling related or whatever. Yeah. So then when I started Instagram, um, it was just like cool pictures. And then like when I was married, I was just, I was this like robotic version of myself. I wasn't who I wasn't authentically me. Like mm-hmm. it's, it was like a, a, a different world like it, without even getting into it but it, like I allowed myself to like be a shell of myself and then like I really didn't like gain that my true like self back I guess until I decided that I was gonna need a divorce and um so like what during the only reason I only 
bring it up is because I was posting just like bullshit, like just, oh, like just selfies or, you know, whatever with no real, not bringing value to anyone. Like why the fuck would anybody read my post or like it? Like it's not doing anything for anyone. It's just this like fucking super vain thing. Oh, I have a shit ton of followers here. It's like, you know, I have big boobs. You know what I mean? So like when I, when I was going through my divorce, I started like really posting a lot of like, not like, oh, feel bad for me, victim-y shit, but like really like, hey, this is what's actually, what is what I'm fucking going through. I know a lot of you are going through similar stuff and like really openly (laughs) sharing like what the fuck was happening to me. And then like, so I feel like people kind of went on this like journey with me, like of like getting to know myself again and then like not being afraid to like talk about it. And then now I'm to the point where like, I'm in such a good place that like, I have no problem like, explaining and talking about talking about it. And then I also feel like I have a lot of value to offer after like, cause I I'm 32, but I've, I've done a lot in those 32 years, like in my, mm-hmm. my, with my career. So, and I've learned so many valuable lessons. Then after going through like the marriage situation I went through, I feel like I have, I have experience that I can offer to somebody that has, is either struggling or was there before and they're trying to get over it or whatever. So like now I, I often talk about social bodies in my posts because it's my company, it's my passion, it's what I do. But I also talk about as just like a human that like owns a business and like has had some success, but like still struggles with like real shit. Yeah. And I've, that has been, I've been so much more like relatable and like, I feel like it's a platform, you know, it's a place where people like open up to me about their shit. And like, obviously I don't have time to read every single comment or like DM or whatever about like, someone's story but like every once in a while I will and it's like cool just to like impact one fucking person like it's a, an amazing feeling and it lets you continue to to put out because like I know the people that I follow like I follow them because I get value from their posts and I get who, you, who do you follow I'm curious who do you follow that you really like right now we give them a shout out so like I always so Gary V obviously he just posts like really yeah. good shit and, like, <laughs> I follow a lot of good vegan pages like stuff that's super informative or talk talks about um like you know how to eat, what to eat, you know, stuff, vegan stuff like that, or stuff that's like vegan news, like, you know, this country banned this or, you know, whatever. And then, um, like, I guess just people themselves, like I, I really love Kai Green. Like he is, um, I I had the chance to, to like get to know him on a personal level because I did, um, he's a very think he's a very deep thinker. My God. I haven't met anyone like him. He is, he is so one of a, he's an alien. Like he's not, he's not from this planet. Like that's how I feel about him. And like, he can literally like emotionally connect to any person. Like one time I was talking to him in like Vegas, um, like during an Olympia or something. And Uh I was like talking to him about like this really like, this life changing experience I had when I was wrestling. And, um, I was like brought to tears and like, he just has that effect on people. And he's like, he's so wise. And, um, (laughs) sage <laughs> he really is beyond his, his years um i'm just i'm kind of actually like looking i follow just people that i feel like give you like serena williams and like stuff like oh, that yeah. I, I you know and i follow brands too i follow brands that i love that be just because i like their products or because i feel like i can learn from them on right. what they're doing because like there's nothing wrong with like emulating someone or something as right. long as because it's a, you know, their formula works, but it, you know, there's what, there's one thing to like completely copy someone's content, but like, I feel like you, we're all learning from each other. So when you can oh, yeah. 
follow someone and say like, I want to be like them or I want to run my company like them, but you obviously take it and you make it your own. And then yeah, that's exactly. how you develop, you know, if you, like, if you don't know what the fuck to post or what you want your page to be out <laughs> about, like legit, like find people that you like that, that offer you value and like mm. emulate what they're doing, but make it your own. And like, I feel like that's what we all do anyways. We're like, uh, Oh yeah. You know, this doesn't complicate this shit. Like we're like sitting there like, Oh, we can't, I can't post anything today. Cause I got nothing to really post. Fuck. Like go look at someone else that you love. Like next yep. time I'll do that. Just, that's such a great idea. Like, yeah. and then how also, they like, like days that like, I don't know what to post because like it, it, we're all the same. Like, you know, I have a lot of followers and then I'm like, well, is this dumb? Like, you know, you just overthink shit. And like that right. happens with everybody. Okay. Yeah. So like when I'm like, fuck, I haven't posted anything in like two days. I'm like, what, what do I post? You know, I'll make Christina, like, you know, she works in my office, like, they'll take pictures of my with Simon. But then I think about, like, well, well, what the fuck, like, what affected me today? Like, what affected me? And then, right. like, immediately I'll have content. And I'm like, oh, yeah, this. And then, so not everything is, not every day is, like, crazy and eventful, but, like, every single day we all go through, like, at least one thing that was either, like, amazingly, you know, like, impactful or, like, really sad or you learned a lesson or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, every day something like that happens, whether you like really realize it or not. But like every, every single day, <laughs> I love that. I mean, I think we should just mic you up. I know we're closing <laughs> on time here. Just mic you up, and then you just send me the audio, and we'll chop it up, and we'll make it. Like, we can make it like a shit ton of podcasts with it, um, or just like strip off like some of the stuff from your IG stories. Uh, they're always entertaining. So <laughs> <laughs> I love IG story because like it's not like a permanent. Po- no, like, yeah. your page, you know, so like you can kind of get away with posting like dumb shit all the time, and like <laughs> I obviously try to post, I try to mix it up, but like a lot of it is just like ends up being like Simon or like whatever dog I'm watching, or just like you know dumb shit and the behind the scenes of the office. But even though it's super dumb, like I feel like like for anybody that, yeah, and and it, it's also like it shows people like that you're. So like ever, you know, people know that I have social bodies, but when they see behind the scenes of like the actual people that work here and we have fun and we're real people, right. I feel like that's like, that brings a lot of value too, because you're like, Oh, well, I'm just fucking like that. Like, I love this company, you know, like they're stupid. They, they fuck around or whatever. Right. And, um, I, I love, you know, companies that have that super like personal, like, you know, they show that side to their, their, their consumers or their followers or whatever. Yeah, exactly. I was listening to a branding expert yesterday, um, David Meerman Scott, and he was saying, you know, people buy people. Like, yeah. people buy Celestial Body because they know Celeste. I mean, like, right. and they, they know how funny you are. So, um, I know we're closing in on time here. So, Celeste, I guess one, what would be some, like, one or two pieces of actionable, like, advice you'd give to people who want to start an e commerce business? Or, and I also want to um, just see if you can talk about a little bit about your new venture which is a cool, yeah. kava bar um, and where it's at. And if people are in local in Florida, I want them to definitely come check it out. Cool. Okay. Fuck yeah. I almost slipped off my chair because I was excited. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, yeah. So if I, if, you know, someone is wanting to start an e-commerce business, um, I, I think like if you're really just starting, like you're like, you have your concept. First of all, have yeah. a concept. Like, don't just say like, oh, I want to start a business. Like, okay, what's your business? Well, I don't know. Like legit have a, product or service like that's the number one thing and know exactly what the fuck it is like and why it's good and why people would want to buy it and like if you don't have that yet then just keep working on it because you can't rush that step because you can't, you can't force build, it 
Right. If you don't have like the foundation, like a product or service that is the, the foundation of your business and it's not completely refined and, and don't get me wrong, you can change, but if you don't have like a completely concrete concept or product to start with, to build a foundation, then it's going to be very, very difficult. And like, you're just going to waste your time and money on, you know, whatever, building a website or whatever, when you, you know, mm-hmm. six months online, change, completely change your, <laughs> your, your direction. I've done yeah. that shit before. So yeah, I wish you would have told me this is four or five years ago. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, so, uh, you know, obviously like I, I don't, I still feel like I know, I don't know shit, but like, you know, I, it's been almost five years so, you know, in business with social bodies and I learn stuff every day and I, I fucking make mistakes every day too. Like I have months where I'm like, Oh my God, am I, you know, like, am I, what am I doing? And then, right, you know, right. really good days or a really good sale or whatever. And it's just like a, such an emotional roller coaster. And I think that like people have to be mentally ready for that yeah. because, oh, yeah. you know, it's such an easy thing to say, I'm an entrepreneur or I have a business, or whatever, but like, and it's cool. It's definitely fucking cool to own your own business, but it's also like a legit mind fuck. It is a emotional roller coaster. Like every, literally every day, I'll have like a emotion, like a roller coaster. <laughs> fucking beats like, oh, What am I doing? What the fuck did I fuck this up? Did I make a bad mistake? Why did I do this? Did I overthink? You know. And um, it's just the nature of the business. It's five years in, and yeah. it's still like that every day. So, what's the um, biggest thing you've learned in the past twelve months? Past twelve months, um, I think. So no, I don't think this. I know this. Um, it, it's the value of like the people that you bring on your like whether it's staff or friends or whatever. Um, like I have such an amazing staff right now, and it's taken me a couple of years to get to this because like I literally lost all my staff, lost everything whenever I decided to go through the divorce because my ex husband, they were all his employees, and so like I started from complete scratch, and then I brought on people out of necessity that ended up helping me get through a very rough time, but weren't ultimately the, they were a little bit toxic and they weren't yeah. really like the type they of fits. Yeah. And so I was, when they left, I had the opportunity to build this staff that I've always wanted. And, um, like the, each person is so unique and so different. And like, sometimes you hire somebody from their, for their abilities. And sometimes you hire somebody because of like who they are and what you think they're potentially capable of. So like I have, I just have so many fucking amazing people, you know, it's like, I'm a small business. I still have a, I have a small staff, but like all the moving parts, like when we got together for our holiday party, like everybody is so <laughs> dope. Like, and, and you your staff? so I have, um, four in-house people. And then I have some that are like, Holly, she's in marketing, she's in like, maybe 75% of the time. And then I have um, people that are contractors that don't even live here, but yeah. like, then I, you know, and then my creative people, like my videographer, my photographer, my, my graphic designer. Um, right. So it's like a lot of moving parts, but all together it's about like 10 or 12 people when we're all in the same room. That's cool. So That's for cool. our holiday party, it was like legit the best time. And anytime I bring like loved ones, like my boyfriend or my family or my brother or whatever to, to stuff like this, everyone's always like, you know, you have such a fucking amazing group of people and I do. And I take it as like a personal like compliment because I, you know, obviously I can't take credit for who those people are, but I'm a reflection of you. Definitely. Yeah. To have them around me. And I feel like we just, everybody just loves what they do and, and it's like a super creative environment and um, it's just fucking fun. Cause if you don't like, 
what's the point, you know, if you can't have fun with them? You know what I mean? Yeah. That's another thing too is just... Don't take yourself too seriously or have yeah, fun? Yeah, there's no yeah. point. What for, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, right. Last, the, the Kaba bar. Okay, Tell yeah. Me. So um, Kaba and Kratom have been a part of my life for the past like maybe three years. Um, I started, I first learned about uh, Kratom. Um, I first learned about what a Kaba bar was like, I don't know, 2016, maybe 2017. And, mm-hmm. um, I started going and I was like learning what Kava was. I didn't know what Kava was. So Kava is, um, it's like from, it's like a Polynesian drink. Um, it's a root and people drink it like it's ceremonial or celebration or, um, and it's like basically a root ground up into an extract and you put it and you make it a tea. Okay. And so it's this like really culturally rich, um, Polynesian, um, culture, I guess, and Drink, yeah. um, our practice. And is it hot food. or cold? Is it like, did it? So I've always tea. drank it cold. Okay. Uh, because it doesn't taste very good. You can flavor it. You can mix it with, I've had, I've gone to so many different kava bars where they have different recipes. They mix different shit. Um, but I've always had it cold and you drink it out of like a traditional sh- coconut shell, like a hollowed out shell. Okay, cool. And um, it's just this like social drink and um, you know, it's not, alcoholic it basically like it basically they call it a social drink because it um it's a mood enhancer if you will like it oh it's like a calming like there's nothing like it you know so it's, not like, no, it's not like weed or anything right or is it i hate weed so like i can't okay. smoke weed like okay. so it i don't compare anything to weed because like i just i, I can't like you can't, I, I, just don't, I can high so but it does give you a body high and mm. it makes you just feel super chill super relaxed um and then so it, the concept is it, it's going to be like a modern take on a this like really old Polynesian cult, like cultural tradition. Cool. And then we're also going to be serving Kratom, which is like really popular right now. It's on a lot of people's brains. Um, there's a lot of places that are banning it. There's a lot of places that it's like, especially in Florida, like there's this one politician that keeps trying to get it banned and she's using it as her platform. Um, so basically Kratom, Kratom is a leaf. Okay. And it also has um, like uh, mood enhancing um, properties. properties, and it also is um, has potential to help out a lot with this the opioid epidemic that we're, we're facing. Is like it binds with your pain receptors, so it can like um, give you pain relief too. But there's a bunch of different strains. Like some of the strains are for strictly pain relief. Some are for energy. Some are for um, like relaxation there's it's like kind of like how weed is with different strains right. um so we would and so you can take that as like um the powder like extract form you can take it in capsules or you can drink it in a tea so okay. we'll have kratom if, so it's spelled k-r-a-t-o-m i say kratom a lot of people say kratom mm-hmm. i don't I can know. see why uh, uh, kratom kratom okay i'll have I a like link, link in the show notes people yeah yeah um so uh, I just, it's because like when I was going through my divorce and everything, I was drinking so much and it was so unhealthy. And like when I cleaned up my life and like, you know, switched to veganism and like stopped drinking and stuff, like I really found, I found something not to fill a void, but something to like have as like a social thing where I wasn't drinking alcohol and it wasn't like just eating or, you know, eating my fucking feelings or whatever. So, um, I, I find it to be like just this really interesting concept. And I have a, a partner and um, him and I actually met at a, a kava bar that we both go to. And, um, 
he's been in corporate, you know, corporate America for 20 years. And he's, he used to have his own IT company and he does IT consulting. So we're like literally from fucking two different worlds. But <laughs> for real. It's a perfect synergy. It's it a perfect is. It's a good partnership. Like, right? Yeah. So, um, we're super excited. We're actually set. We signed all the paperwork for, um, a place in Boca today. So, um, yeah, we're super pumped. And, and also like we're, we're, we're creating this cool place for the Kava Kratom culture, but we're also going to serve like non Kava Kratom stuff for people that don't like it or aren't interested in it. Right. Cause a lot of Kava bars now are so like, like clicky. Like if you're not in that, you're not Kava in culture, get out. Yeah, then, yeah. There's nothing for you. So right. we're gonna have like specialty coffees and like, and just regular herbal teas and like kombucha and, and stuff like that. So it'll be okay. like this, like bougie, I love the name for it. Like modern version of it. And it's, it's going to be called Gula Bar. So Gula mm. is what you say um, when you're, it's like basically a, equivalent to like a cheers, like when you're cheersing a, a glass. Oh, okay. Yeah. So they take um, uh, the, like a Kava shell and you say Gula and like you drink it like that. So we're calling it Gula Bar. Um, okay. Yeah, so I'm spell that so I know so that I know how to put it in the show notes. It's uh, B U L A. Um, B U L A. Okay. Yeah, and um, yeah. So so again, like you know, this is a new business venture, and it's really scary because it's a big you know cash investment, and it's like you're you're committing to leasing a place out for you know three years, five years, whatever. And then um, you know a lot goes into starting a business, and like with e-commerce, there's when you when you start up, there's not really a lot of overhead. Like right. now, I have a warehouse and like employees, but and lots of inventory. But when I first started, I just ran it out of my house. So yeah. when you're starting like a, something in the, a bar, or Order. Street, yes, it's, it's like oh, you got to do a whole build out, like you know all the physical inventory and the the. It's just a lot. So I'm like really nervous, but again, it's like something that I'm super passionate about. So like I know like it's a passion project that will make me money, which is what I consider celestial bodies. Right. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm super, super pumped about it. Like I, like I you know I'm, I am excitedly talking about that. So I know like, I'm just, I'm so pumped. I think we need to definitely need to incorporate this in your content more. Maybe like, like Kava Tuesdays for the podcast or something. I don't know. Yeah. And we'll have to work on like getting you working with you, getting you on some other Kava based podcasts. I got to find, I don't know where they're at. They're probably out there somewhere. Um, <laughs> if not, we'll probably. start one. We'll make the first one. It'll be a great marketing arm. Um, but uh, that this has been awesome, Celeste. I really appreciate your time. I know we've like been going for like an hour and 15 minutes here. So I, know I talked so much. I'm sorry. And I was like, oh, it's going to be fast today. Because like I'm having a sale today. So I'm like, I have to go ship with the rest of my staff. So like I'm like, it'll just be 30 minutes, guys. Yeah, fuck. Oh, I talked so much. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's not me. I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed myself. Um, thank I love you for it. having me. Oh, likewise. I've enjoyed this. So, um, Celeste, where's the best place for people to connect with you if they want to know more about you? Your show uh, will be in the show notes, of course. So, uh, yeah. no so, problem there. Um, so, my podcast, which I'm actually really bad about being consistent with, is uh, <laughs> the Unglamorous Life. And um, my co-host is Lauren Conlon. She's one of my best friends. And she's also like a super fucking smart science nerd. So, our content's usually pretty good. She cusses just as much as I do. Um, and then um, I'm always on Instagram. It's just at Celeste Bonin, uh, which is in the, it'll be in the show notes. Um, and then my website is celestebonin.com. And then my uh, Celestial Bodies website is celestialbodies.com. And then um, if you want to follow my dog, he's staring at me right now. Oh, he's, uh, <laughs> he's a little Boston Terry. He's like a human. 
Skinner. Um, his is Simon the Boss Boston. And is he on Instagram too? Simon's on Instagram? Yeah, he has like 3,000 followers now. He's got more followers than me. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> He's a little star. Oh, I love it. Oh, man. Well, it's been awesome. I will, uh, I'm looking forward to having this, to publishing this. So, Celeste, thanks so much. Let's get on with the rest of your day. But um, yeah, I appreciate your time. Thank you. Thank you so much. All right. Yeah. Welcome. <laughs> hey, what's up? Lewis again. And I get asked this question a lot. So I wanted to answer it here for you in a unique manner. And that question is, Lewis, what exactly do you do? How do you help podcasters? What exactly do you and what does podcast domination really help with? Well, Instead of me sitting here and telling you all the amazing stuff about us, I thought it'd be fun and interesting for you guys to hear what our clients are saying. So here you go. Please enjoy. Lewis literally makes my life so much easier. All I have to do is record my content. I don't have to worry about editing it. I don't have to worry about writing show notes. I don't have to create any of my graphics to promote it. He literally does everything for me. We hired Lewis to kind of help us set up the podcast um, for us to put our content out and kind of grow our brand. And all I really have to say, it's been a huge success. It's been really easy. Lewis and his whole team have made the whole process easy. From setting it up originally, which with podcasts is kind of intimidating. And there's a lot of things that if you're not really, if you don't know a lot about the platform, that it's very time consuming. So Lewis made all of that easy. In the beginning, I'm not going to lie, I was completely overwhelmed, confused, stressed out because I went on YouTube trying to figure out how to set up a successful podcast and actually going on YouTube, I was just bombarded by so much information that I just wanted to give up on the idea. And then I met a good friend of ours that introduced me to Lewis and we hit it off and he just said to me, it's really, really simple. I will take care of everything for you. I think what Lewis has done for me has made it seem so painless. He has took my idea and saved me money, he saved me time and energy, and more importantly, he's made my Persistence Factor podcast sound professional. Well, I hope you enjoyed those sound bites as much as I enjoyed putting them together. <laughs> if you have any questions about how we can help you grow, launch, or further your podcasting efforts, feel free to reach out to me at Lewis at Podcast Domination, or you can reach out to my team and ask them some questions. Hello at podcastdomination.co. Both are .co. Just make sure that's, uh, keep that in mind. Anyways, I'll see you on the next episode. And until next time, keep dominating.